Welcome to the Wrigley Report Podcast. This is your host, Big Cynical Ben. You can find us on medium.com slash the-wrigley-reports for all our articles and podcast list. You can find us on Twitter at Wrigley Report. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Wrigley Podcast. Or you can find your host, Big Cynical Ben, on Twitter at Big Ben Casey. So today on the show, first we're going to talk about Joe Madden. We're going to talk about numbers guys, confidence, and how to win through slumps. Because you got to be a championship team and everybody's going to slump. And then in the next segment, we're going to go to an all-out throwdown with Ryan Tadich. He's going to come on the show and we're going to argue about Chatwood and Montgomery. And, oh, is Joe Madden making the right decision with the bullpen? Or is he making a horrible mistake when the overusage of the bullpen? So we're going to throw down the second second half. But first, let's start at the top. Let me complain a little bit about the numbers, guys. Because I like to so much. Because I hate them so much. Okay, hate's a strong word. Just number guys are, are, are they're, they're, they're shallow. Okay? Yeah, the movie Moneyball was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. However, the problem with statistics, guys, is they, they grab a statistic, they grab a group of statistics, and they use them as a shield to, to divert all criticism, where the, this statistic proves them right, where you take a look at a number on a page based on a performance of a player in the past and say, this is what that player is. This is rock-hard evidence to support my value. I always say that statistics... Do not tell the whole story. They are a tool to tell the story. You can tell whether or not a player is on a streak or in a slump. Overall, whether he's turning his potential into skill in manufacturing runs or if he's not reaching his full potential. I mean, you kind of gauge that with statistics, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Statistics are a bad tool to use overall because... The measurement of that statistic is a static look at a player's history. Static means it does not change. Players are human beings. They are not robots. They do not go out there and play a computer game on the field. They are people who have good times and bad times. They get down on life. They get high on life, etc., etc. And based on people's ability to think and feel independently of a computer or a predetermined set of statistics, things change. It's dynamic. The game of baseball is dynamic. Players go on hot streaks. Players go on slumps. And the thing about the game is you've got to find, like like fantasy baseball, you've got to find the consistent players. Where does round one go? Okay, round one, you get the Mike Trouts, you get the Anthony Rizzos, you get guys who are constant. They have consistency in their statistics. Those are the guys you build a team around. Guys that have year in, year out good numbers. That is not the norm in baseball. That is the exception. That's the exception that proves the rule that baseball is a game of slumps and a game of hot streaks. So, if you take it for what it is, it is what it is. You got a slump and you got a hot streak and even it out and there's a statistic. Well, a statistic doesn't tell the whole story. Bottom line. 
What managers have to do is they have to look at the players. They have to look at the statistics. They have to see the players in practice. They have to talk to the players in the clubhouse. They have to go over film with the players. They've got to see how the players adapting. They have to see how they're making adjustments. Rookie players come into the game. They get on hot streaks. Javi Baez got a hot streak his first year. Everybody thought he was the second coming of Ty Cobb. Well, I got news for you. Pitchers adjusted. And now he looks ridiculous at the plate. All last year he looked ridiculous at the plate. Dropped him for my fantasy team. Turns out it was a huge mistake. Kept Schwarber. Dropped Javi. Huge mistake. Just because I have the same body type as Schwarber does doesn't mean it was necessarily a good decision on my part. That's neither here nor there. The thing is, Javi is adjusting to the adjustments that were made on him, which is what good players do. You know Chris Bryant. You know Anthony Rizzo. You know guys who are in the Cubs lineup that make adjustments to pitchers are going to be solid players and a playing or players that you build your core around. Every manager in every walk of life has to get the best out of the people they manage, whether it's at a construction company, whether it's at Macy's, whether it's on the Olympic team or a baseball team on the north side of Chicago. The manager has to figure out how to get the best out of his players. Joe Madden's career has been built off of patience with young guys in the minor leagues after he left the Angels organization being a backup bullpen catcher. The guy knows how to teach. And he knows how to be patient. But he also knows how to do something that is very difficult for people who have not played the game, who have not been a manager, who don't understand what it takes to be a manager in the game, to do. He understands how to instill confidence through patience which is very difficult to understand. When you look at statistics of Jason Hayward and you see him going up to bat and you're wondering to yourself, why in the world is he sending Jason Hayward up to bat when we're down by one with the bases loaded with two outs? Why are you doing that? Joe Madness makes no statistical sense. And you would be absolutely right. It makes zero sense. But he's not going up there because he's in a slump. Jason Hayward is not walking to the plate because he has had trouble hitting the ball lately. He is going up to the plate because Joe Madden wants Jason Hayward to know that Joe Madden believes in Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward's career with the Braves was not a fluke. Power is real. Ability to hit the ball is real. Ability to be aggressive on the base pads is real. Past performance does not indicate future performance, but his swing was not right. He picked up some very bad habits in St. Louis, and his teammates bailed him out. When he came to the Cubs, he was all backwards and could not catch up to that fastball. And everybody saw it, especially the guys working on opposing teams in the film room with the pitchers. So he had to revamp his whole swing, and it has taken him a year. But every time Joe Madden set Jason Hayward to the plate, every time he showed Jason Hayward, I have confidence in you to be the guy that we're paying you to be, it's finally paying off. Would he have hit the Grand Slam home run if every time Hayward came up in a tough spot before that moment, he was pinch hit for do you think you would have had the confidence to stand in the box and hit that grand slam home run to win the game last week no he would not 
is my firm belief that that confidence that was slowly built into him and he started building off of when he started hitting the ball and suddenly the big moment comes and he grabbed a hold of it with both hands and now he's flying high on cloud nine. Suddenly the monkey's off his back. Suddenly there is no haze around him and he is free to hit the ball again. Are you going to get the same power numbers? Maybe not. Maybe you will. Maybe this is the beginning of something. Maybe it's not. But I think last year when he got on a hot streak, everybody thought the slump was over. I think we were a little premature because changing a swing at the major league level against the most elite pitching in the world is a little different than changing a swing when you're playing in a Bush softball league and Skokie. Big difference. And Hayward is taking his opportunity. Ian Happ, on the other hand, is still driving me nuts. Guy has home run power. Guy can put pressure on the base pads. He's a heck of a runner when he wants to be, but cannot slay off of the off-speed pitches. Can we stop being a strikeout artist, please? If you're working to a 3-1 count, stop striking out. Take some pitches. Guy works himself in 0-2 count, has four strikeout games, and you wonder why. I'm frustrated when Joe's sending him up there. I see what Joe Madden sees in Ian Happ, but I think Ian Happ has not made his adjustments to the pitchers who have made adjustments to him. I think Ian Happ is a little less mature than Jason Hayward is. I think Ian Happ does not take direction as well as Jason Hayward does because he's young and he thinks he has it figured out because he played like an all-star last year and he played like an all-star early this year. First pitch of the season, he hit out of the park. That's going to that's gonna massage your ego. And the thing that gets up between players and their ability to become more successful is that ego. It's the feeling that I have this all figured out. But he's going to go up there. He's going to march him up there, for better or for worse, because Joe believes in Ian Happ. And he believes in his skill, and he believes in his ability, and he's working with him to make adjustments. Managers see skill and potential, and they work to reveal it, pull it out of you. Players' heads are not always in the game. Take a look at the championship hangover the Cubs had last year, the defensive miscues, the errors. Heads got to be in the game, huge part of the game. Chris Bryant this year, 20-plus games in a slump. Nobody knows why he's in a slump. Except for me, of course, because I happen to be a hockey fan. I know that it takes a lot out of somebody to watch their hockey team go on a playoff run. And it probably took a lot out of Chris Bryant watching his Las Vegas Golden Knights make the playoffs and go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think his mind has been elsewhere. Yeah, you can say that that sounds simplistic and that sounds rather ridiculous on it on its face but when you're invested in another team when you're invested in something else you lose track of what you're doing at work when the when when your NFL teams in the playoffs you wear your jersey to work everybody's got the flags around you're you're a little less focused on what your responsibility is at your desk getting those TPS reports handed in you're a little more anxious about what's going to happen at the stadium tonight same thing with the hockey team I think his, his mind was in Las Vegas. 
think he was flying out there for games. Between Cubs games, he's flying to Las Vegas once or twice. Saw some photos with him and uh, him out there in Las Vegas in the jersey next to Harper, two Las Vegas boys, future Cubs outfielder Bryce Harper, for the record. But got to reel him back in. Stanley Cup playoffs are over. His team lost. He got a little bit of pressure. He's not hitting the ball. He's not hitting home runs. And just because he hits, a, he doesn't hit home runs, does not necessarily mean he's still in a slump. As long as he's making good contact with the ball. So we shall see if Chris Bryant can pull himself out of this. But teams always have slumps, and they always have hot streaks. It's just when do they happen? If half your roster, if half your roster has a slump at the same time, like it looks like the Cubs' offense has for some of the games this season, shut out twice in Milwaukee, did not feel good. If they're slumping, if they're all slumping at the same time, then the other half's got to pick them up and go on hot streaks. You've got to have some guys go on a hot streak when some other guys go on a slump, and that way. Your 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 hot streaky guys will bail your slump guys. It's hard to do it in small ball. It's easier to do it when you have doubles with guys on base because base runners Cubs get base runners Cubs get base runners, and then we can't get them in a score. And we got left on base statistics that are whoa crazy crazy. So we don't have enough players going on a hot streak at the same time that the rest of the players are on slump. I mean, it feels to me like Schwaber's been in a slump for, you know, a year and a half by this point, but the Cubs have to use the other half of their lineup to pick up the slack. I mean, it's guys like Almora have to come in. Lestella has to come in. Baez has to start hitting. Zobrist has to hit. And Joe Madden's got to figure out how to get Almora into more games because good lord that dude is our future leadoff hitter the thing is even with their spotty offense even with their inability to score runs consistently they're still the best team in the National League Central they're still the best team in the National League and that's because they're built to win through the slumps they have elite starting rotation they have got a good bullpen backed up by solid defense and streaky but they have hitting and they've got power and now all they need to do is figure out how to get hit with some consistency I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times give me small ball before you try to hit the ball over the wall because small ball wins championships but the Cubs have enough power to be able to put balls over the wall without sacrificing a uh, run scoring opportunities because of strikeouts. If we can lower the strikeout rate, it doesn't matter if we're hitting doubles or home runs, we're going to win the game. And that's that's the big that's the big thing. We're going to win the game as long as we can put the bat on the ball. And now the Cubs are going into St. Louis. We're going into enemy territory. And I think this is going to light a fire under their butts because the Brewers they're like the little they're like the little brother of the Cubs. Kind of tussle their hair. They're like, yeah, you think you think you're going to the playoffs. Yeah, good luck with that. And you know, there's there's a rivalry, but it's not hatred. Like the hatred of the Redbirds that flows through our veins as Cubs fans, that burns with the the fiery 
intensity of a thousand suns, how much hatred there is. And I think that hatred is going to spur our offense. I think it's going to get guys to want to change their approach and want to do better at the plate and want to take more pitches. The Brewers, we, we were outrageously aggressive with the Brewers. We were way over our skis. We were missing balls left and right. The Cardinals is going to be different. I hang my hat on that rivalries change everything. Blood gets boiling. You cannot fail. You don't want to fail. You don't want to lose, especially when you got to go into the belly of the beast in St. Louis. Got to get the offense moving. I think this, this is the time it's going to happen. In case you haven't heard, the Wrigley Report now has an official sponsor. It is Wrigleyville Sports. You can find them on Twitter at Wrigleyville. You can find them online at www.wrigleyvillesports.com. Located just across the street from Wrigley Field in Chicago. They've got the latest Memorial Day gear. They've got the 4th of July hats with the red, white, and blue. They have Father's Day and Mother's Day uniforms available. They have tank tops for the ladies, and they even have stuffed animals for the kids. You can also find yourself an authentic W flag to make sure you fly that in your front yard every single time the Cubs take the win. Right now they're running a promotion. You enter Parents 2018 at checkout. You can get 10% off orders less than $100, or if you spend over $100, not only do you get 15% off, but they throw in the shipping absolutely free. So visit them today www.wrigleyvillesports.com Let them know we sent you. Let's welcome to the show Wrigley Report's most elite analyst, Mr. Ryan Tadich. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? Just another day in paradise on this beautiful off day in June. Heard you had some opinions on the uh, Shatwood-Montgomery situation you'd like to enlighten us with. Yeah, I got some thoughts about that. Um, the thing that I want to say first before we get into the whole thing, and, you know, maybe this is maybe just more of like a little personal pet peeve that I've noticed. Um, you know, obviously the Cubs fans are active on Twitter and things like that, um, but the one thing I just want to say is that's kind of getting a little annoying amongst fans and tweets that I read is that it's about Tyler Chatwood and going to the minor leagues. Um, <laughs> Tyler Chatwood cannot go to the minor leagues. He's a, he's a big league ball player on a big league contract. Baseball doesn't work like that. You can't just free willy nilly send him down to the minor leagues. Um, so, you know, we can put that discussion away. I know, like, guys like, you know, Luke Farrell, Rosario, those guys are different. They're on, you know, so you can usher them back and forth. But just like you see some people say, you know, when Rizzo was struggling, oh, send them to the minors. No, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Um, and it's just getting kind of frustrating because I know that people, you know, like when you're, you know, people like to criticize other people's fans all the time. You know, we criticize Cardinals fans and things like that. You just look at it and I feel like as a fan base, it makes some of our fan base look like they don't know what they're talking about when, you know, you're like, hey, this guy can't go to the minor leagues. You hear people on, I listen to the score all the time in, uh, in Chicago and people are like, oh, I should send him to the minors. You know, like, you can't do that. It's not the way it works. He's a big league player getting paid $13 million a year 
for the next three years, you can't just free willy-nilly send him to the minor league. So to that's be, not to an be fair, to be fair, half of Cubs Twitter are literally White Sox fans that were Cubs fans until 2016. So I don't think they really understand how baseball works anyway. <laughs> true, true, fair enough. I'm just saying that you can, you can tell that there's a lot of people that are out there that really don't know how baseball works. And I think that is one of the, you know, like this whole concept is not really – you don't have to be an expert in baseball to kind of know that. I feel like that's one of the more generic things that you should – that you can kind of figure out that you just can't send someone free willy-nilly to the minor leagues like that. Otherwise, teams would be doing that all the time. That's not the way it works. But anyways, that point aside, um, personally, I mean, I'm anxious to see what happens once you Darvish comes back. It's not going to be for a couple more weeks. So we still have a few more weeks of Mike Montgomery in the, in the rotation, and we'll have to continue to see what he does over the course of the next couple of weeks, there's no, it, you know, he's been phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal in everything that you would have expected him to be and to kind of fill that hole in that rotation. But at this point, I just cannot see the Cubs moving Chatwood out of the rotation. He's getting paid $13 million plus a year. They're going to let him work this out. And for a guy that has issues with command and his walking guys, do you really want that guy in your bullpen? Do you really want Chatwood coming in in the eighth inning of a 3-2 game or, let's say, yesterday in a one nothing game and, you know, walking batters? Like, that's the worst thing you can have in your bullpen. And the Cubs have been trying to fix that by bringing in relievers over the offseason who don't walk a lot of guys. Um, you know, we saw what happened to Justin Wilson when he starts walking guys in the bullpen. So I think they need to just let Chatwood ride it out. He made a little bit of strides the other day. He only walked two batters. Um, he did give up four runs, although they were all to Travis Shaw. Um, so I think you need to, you know, there's they always talk about regression towards the mean a lot in baseball. And, I mean, his walk rate is almost double of what his career walk rate is per nine innings. He averages about, uh, like, just over four walks per nine innings in his career. Right now he's at over eight. He's not going to sustain that kind of a walk rate all season. I, I don't know if there's ever been a Major League Baseball player over the course of 170, 180 innings that averages eight walks per nine innings. That's just astronomically high. Um, so Those are like I, Rick and Keel numbers from 2002. Yeah, I mean, so I, you gotta you got to let them work it out. I think the, the best option would probably be going to a six-man rotation if they really wanted to keep Mike Montgomery in there. But who knows? Mike Montgomery can throw a couple of clunkers the next couple of weeks and, you know, that make your decision a little bit easier. And I think the Cubs will tell you it kind of just all depends on what, what their need is in the bullpen. I like Mike Montgomery. I think he's been a great pickup for the Cubs since they brought him in. But I don't know. I feel like he is better suited for the Cubs in more of that swing role, a guy that can come in and start when you need him to, but can also get you innings out of the bullpen if you have a day when your you know, starter doesn't do well um, and you need some innings out of your bullpen. If you really look at the makeup of the bullpen outside of like Luke Farrell or maybe even a Randy Rosario, there's not a lot of guys that can give you depth in that bullpen or multiple innings if you need that, um, but that's what Mike Montgomery is able to do. So I don't know. That's just my take on it. Um, I know everyone, you know, is jumping, you know, oh, they got to keep him in the rotation, but it's also a small sample size. He's only had four We're starts. losing you. We're, lo- we're losing you here. Um, I was wondering, could could Chatwood take a take that swing starter role and like a role reversal between him and Monty, like each of them? 
takes over a half a starter apiece, more or less, just till Chatwood can hypothetically work through these yips or Monty can prove he's worthy of the number five spot? That's, that's, that's an interesting option. Um, you know, sort of like that whole piggyback thing where, you know, like, you start Montgomery and, you know, he pitches three or four innings and then you finish off with Chatwood um, or vice versa. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe that's an option the Cubs decide to go with. But based off of what I've heard the front office say, based off of what we know from this front office, they're going to let Chatwood work through his, his problems. He's going to get the ball every fifth day. Um, and they're going to let him work through it because they're not going to They don't want to pay that him all that money to you know only have him pitch two or three innings every couple you know every five days or something like that. This isn't like the the um, Brett Anderson or whatever the uh, Brian Anderson. I don't remember what his first name Brett was last Anderson. year. It was Brett Anderson, it was Brett Anderson last like year throwing, who who got paid what? His eyes closed. I mean, right. Sometimes yeah, I mean, the ball if, if if Contreras wasn't behind the plate, the ball would literally get stuck in the brick wall behind home plate at Wrigley, it's almost it's almost laughable sometimes. And it almost is like he just completely loses his ability to get the ball across the plate, which would tend to me, like, there's a, is there a hand injury? Is there something going on we don't know about? Major League pitchers getting paid, especially getting paid the money that he is getting paid, they do not throw like this. No, I, you're absolutely right. And I've watched, like I said, I've watched the starts, and you can see that some of you are like, where the hell is he going with that? Like, where did, why is he missing so much? Um, and that could be something, too, that they talked about that, you know, that are not that, I'm not saying the front office has talked about it, but fans have talked about of this, you know, sort of fake injury sort of thing that what if, you know, when the time Darvish comes back in an effort to leave Montgomery in the rotation, they find some sort of injury for Chatwood, um, and then that's the way they can use it to you know, sort of work out his differences. Um, but we're still a few weeks away from that happening. We'll see how Montgomery does. Let's hope that they uh, that he continues to pitch well, because um, obviously he's in the rotation. You want him to pitch well. Um, but right now, I think the best option is just to let him to let him try to work things out in the rotation because even though he's been walking guys and is having, you know, some, you know, isn't going super, super deep into games. It's not like he's pitched all that bad. I mean, for a guy that is walking as many guys as he has, he has an ERA of under four. Um, it's like 389 or something like that. Most teams would love to have a number five starter with a 389 ERA. Like, he hasn't really pitched all that bad. So even though he might not be going six, seven innings every start, he's keeping the team in the ball game. He's just finding ways to work out. I mean, that's, that's work fair. around. I get... Defensively, make his sloppy pitch bridge and being able to pick him up with turning double plays and, and making spectacular diving catches in the outfield, then he's still, he's still a, a – uh, a workable part of the rotation at that point, but he's he's not going to be winning any close games. Which well, yeah, I didn't, go ahead. Uh, it's the you know they use the term wildly effective, um, and that's exactly what you can describe Chatwood as. Uh, Chatwood as he's wildly effective. He's wild. He walks a bunch of guys but he somehow finds ways to get out of it. And I think that's because he genuinely does have good stuff. 
you watch I you watch him come out there for an inning and he'll like strike out the side in the inning, or you'll see him get strikeouts and get you know guys out. He's only allowed three home runs all year, the lowest of any starter on the team. Um, so, like you you see that he's he, he's good. He has good stuff. If he could just take those walks and find that control, as long as he's not just you know laying meatballs over the plate, then you know he could be a very successful starter. Um, and you know again. Or it, you know, we always talk about small sample sizes, just like with you, Darvish. It's only twelve or thirteen starts into the. You know, he he can go on and get these issues corrected, and over the next two and a half years, he could be one of the. You know, he could be. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Jake Arrieta, but in the sense that you look at it and say, oh wow, that was a really good signing by the Cubs because you know he got off to a slow start, but then he really turned it on and turned into a very formidable number five starter for the team for the next you know couple of years. So. You know, there, it's there, still is early an, there is an alternative. Um, he, he reminds me of Wade Davis when Wade Davis was a starter and he came to the Royals, where he was he was he was feckless at times and he threw a lot of balls and he walked a lot of guys and he gave up a lot of hits. But something changes in the the mental acuity of a pitcher when you no longer have to play the chess match and you just have to face three or four or five hitters a game. And you just have to give him your best stuff. Something changes in that mental attitude. And some pitchers can't wrap themselves around going to the bullpen and being a, a reliever or a closer. And then some pitchers, it just it, it, it sets them free of that mental anguish as part of a starter. And it lets them really bear down and show off their good stuff. And then to, to become a, a better than he was a starter. Think that could be a possibility. Call me. I know he's a, he's he's a breaking ball pitcher. He, he he's more finicky with uh, how he gets guys out and inducing uh, inducing contact outs. But I think the, I think there's a niche there. Seventh inning, eighth inning, especially how um, Joe Madden's turning over uh, the the starters to the bullpen so early in the games. I mean, we're we're going three or four innings a game to the bullpen, and it's. It's going to wear our guys out at this rate. Oh, absolutely. No, that, that's a good point, but I just don't – you might be right. Because, um, you, you know, his comparisons to Wade Davis when he was a starter, I just don't think we're at that point yet. If, if this was a guy that was always notoriously that wild and out of control, I mean, he's always been a guy that's walked batters. Like I said, his career walk rate is like – you know, just over four per nine innings. So there's always a guy that was walking guys, but never to this level and has never can show, showed that much command issues. Um, so I think that's why the Cubs are like, well, you know, this is kind of an anomaly right now. He's just, you know, can't find the zone a lot at times. Let's have him work through it. Kind of just like the Justin Wilson thing. He, you know, barely walked anybody in Detroit, comes to the Cubs and starts walking everyone in sight. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he's maybe finally starting to turn a corner. I know he walked somebody yesterday and got into a jam, but I think over his last, like, 10 or 12 appearances, he's maybe only walked one or two guys um, and hasn't given up a run yet. So, you're like, maybe we're finally starting to see him come around um, with that, too. So, I think, you know, that could be something for the future. You know, they got a lot of uh, interesting options as you go, you know, beyond this year because, obviously – We've heard some news that Drew Smiley's working his way back, um, and I honestly think that Smiley is going to be a part of that bullpen um, in the second half of the season. It sounds like he's uh, 
really working towards that and hoping to be ready for the stretch run, and I think that'll be a great addition to the bullpen uh, come August and September and can kind of give some of those guys a breather. Um, and that's a fresh arm that'll you know hasn't been pitched in a long time, so they'll have a fresh arm in that bullpen come August and September, but he's also an option for your rotation. I remember when the Cubs signed him, they're like, oh, well, they're thinking about him being a starter for 2019, and I was like, well, where are you going to put him when all these guys in your rotation are locked into – into their roles for the next, you know, three or four years plus. So, you know, they may have different options for Tyler Chatwood in the future. I just don't think we're at, I don't, I don't think we're at that point. You know, he's probably the odd, you know, if you're, you know, he's the odd man out in, in a playoff series, no doubt. Um, assuming that Darvish is healthy. Um, he's the, he's the odd man out in, in the playoff rotation. There's no question about that. But, um, at this point, I, I don't think they're ready to jump ship on him and just move him to the bullpen that quickly. Well, I, think I, mean, using, how, I think using the size of his salary is a little bit of a misnomer and allocating how much skill the front office thought he had. Because if you take a look at who was available in the offseason and how early they moved him, I think they overpaid. I think in the market, you kind of have to overpay, but you've got to take that, that paycheck with a grain of salt. And, and if, if the player's hurting the team, it doesn't matter how much they're getting paid. You can't play them when, it, when the rubber meets the road and we get to October because that, because that, that many walks going to kill you in the postseason. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm still impressed to this day that he's been able to walk as many guys as he has <laughs> and work around it. It's mind-boggling. I've never seen a pitcher have that much success despite constantly walking six, seven guys. I just – which tells you that, you know, like I said, it tells you that there's something there. Like, he's got good stuff and he's got ways to pitch well, but it, it's not a recipe for success. Eventually it's going to catch up to him. There's no doubt about that. But I think people are overreacting slightly, thinking that he's not realizing that he actually has not been all that bad of a pitcher besides the walks it's not like he's coming out there and going two three innings every start and giving up five six seven runs you know and has a seven era or something after 12 or 13 starts no he's got an actually very manageable era for a number five starter he's just got control issues and his walking guys will that eventually catch up to him yeah very likely that's what you know history tells you um and how the game works but that's why just keep running him out there letting him start you're in june where you can kind of you know, let him still work through those issues. But, yeah, if this is, you know, obviously, you know, late August and September when the Cubs historically play their best ball usually anyways, and he's still having problems, then, yeah, I think you're at that point where you're like, well, if this is our stretch run, you know, we can't, we got to do something different about this and maybe move him around. Or at that point, you know he's not going to be in the rotation for come playoff time, but if you still want him on the roster, you'd be like, hey, we, we're going to move you to the bullpen so you can kind of get a feel for what that's like because we want you to pitch out of the bullpen in the playoffs and stuff like that. So, Speaking of the bullpen, you are very critical about Joe Madden ending the game early for the starting pitching. Uh, why don't you take us through that? But, you know, it, it all goes – it's not just Joe Madden. It all goes back to this. They, I, I feel like pitchers are very babied in today's generation. And I get that, you know, the amount of Tommy John surgeries happening in the game is through the roof now. But you just look at this and see, you know, even 20, 30, 40 years ago when pitchers were able to go 250, 300 innings, you know, and be, you know, perfectly fine. And here we are 
like a guy gets to 100 pitches and God forbid he goes over 100 pitches, you know, that's going to like, you know, kill him or whatever. Good if he hits 200 innings, that's too many innings for him to, you know, to hit on a season. But the when you you shorten up the you so that's why bullpens are such a big thing now. But then you don't want to overwork the bullpen. I mean, Madden's even talked about how much his bullpen is being used, especially guys like Zeshek, uh, Dunsing, uh, Strope. Those guys have been used a lot, and they've been very, very, very successful. But eventually, the more and more they're going to keep using, they're going to, you know, eventually they're going to have a, you know, a bad game like Dunsing did the other day when he gave up the four runs. It's kind of like. This Milwaukee series, you watch that Jeremy Jeffress guy come in, and he's got an 054 ERA, and you're like, you know what, as good as he's been, I kind of like my chances against him because he's not going to sustain an 054 ERA all year. That's highly unlikely. Um, so eventually he's going to give up a run or give up or have a bad outing. So you kind of like – you know, like your it's like you know, you like your chances. It's like Hater, who's already thrown like forty innings pitched on the season, and we're only in June. I mean, that guy's arm could fall off at the end of the year, the way Milwaukee's using him. Um, and I know we've seen two straight games in a row where the Cubs offense um, hasn't scored anything, and we know they're streaky. But when you're in the fifth inning and the pitcher spot is up, and you've got guys on base. To not, and your pitcher's only thrown seventy some pitches, and you say, "Oh, we need a shorten, we need our length out of our starters," and then you pull him to try to get one run. To me, that also shows that he really does not have a lot of faith in his offense to get that one run across. Um, and I know they've struggled to score runs at times. Don't get me wrong. So I can see maybe where his point's coming from, but you know. It was only the fifth inning. You had a Kyle Hendricks who was pitching well, and like I said, the more and more you, as good as the bullpen's been, eventually you know someone's going to have a bad outing, and then you run into well, you pull the starter, and I think that was that game. He pulls Hendricks, and Dunstan comes in and has a bad game and serves up four runs. It was bound to happen eventually. Um, so, you know, I know he they play Russian roulette with that bullpen every single day. Um, but it's just kind of frustrating when you have these games and you go out there. Um, there was that one extra inning game when Farrell pitched really, really well in those five innings, and, like, half your bullpen can't be used because you've used them too much. I was like, well, then what's the point of having eight guys in your bullpen if you can't use half of them every day because, well, this guy pitched and this guy pitched and this guy threw one too many pitches yesterday or this guy threw an inning and a third instead of an inning, so I can't use him today, like – you know, is it that bad? Like, there was that one game where he didn't want to use Pedro Strope the next day because Pedro Strope threw two innings, but he only threw, like, 19 pitches in the two innings. And he was like, well, Strope's not used to throwing two innings, so I wanted to give him a day off. And I was like, but he threw 19 pitches. Like, if a Major League Baseball player can't handle pitching two days in a row out of the bullpen, like, why are we paying all these guys all this money if, two innings and 19 pitches means they've got to have a day off. Like Because his mental acuity is different. Remember, a manager's got to manage each individual pitcher to get the best out of him. Mental acuity is key, and some relievers have it, like uh, like Wade Davis, like C-Sheck, and some relievers don't, like Carl Edwards Jr. and Dunsing, who maybe Stroke, who go in there one day and they are they are bullets and they're pitching BBs and they are locked in and you ask them to do it again the next day and they cannot lock in and they cannot focus mentally because they are that's a skill 
that's a skill that differentiates relievers from starters. And starters have an ability to go out there and play chess and work through an entire order. And relievers don't have that same ability to focus for long periods of time. They're deadly in small doses, but if you like, like the the Chapman effect. Of, I'm critical of him bringing in Chapman too much, too many days in a row. And over time, you lose your ability to focus and you lose your ability to just reach back and let it fly. And how he works with Strope that one day just might have been Joe working with Strope saying, I know he can't lock in mentally, so I'm not going to put him in a bad situation because this is only June. Coaches have That's to, a fair point. Coaches yeah, have you know, to work a lot with of it the is. to support the starters. And when uh, I remember when I was a kid, I went to uh, I would listen to Kev, Kevin Apier talk. Kevin Apier, well, you know, would have won the Cy Young in '94, in my opinion, if we hadn't had the strike. But I grew up in Kansas City and heard him talk, and he talked about being a starting pitcher and how at the beginning of the year, uh, you pick up the you pick up the jug of milk just fine with their pitching arm. And halfway through the year, it was kind of tough to pick up that full gallon of milk. And then by 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 September, you were struggling to get that milk out of the refrigerator. And it's just that's the taxing of the pitching arms that takes place at the major league level, especially with the amount of pitches where and innings we're asking starters to take. Because 100 pitches is an arbitrary number. 200 innings is just an arbitrary number. But it's an arbitrary number backed up by coaches seeing when guys' mental acuity ceases during a game in the, in, in the heat of the moment unless he's an elite pitcher or unless he's just in the zone that night. And 200 innings is pretty much the limit for the human body going through the entirety of the season, especially if you're wanting to save any of that mental acuity or any of that physical prowess into October, hopefully to the early days of November, to be able to have a pitcher not only focus into the right zone, but reach back and be able to throw it over 9,500 miles an hour. You've got to save your bullpen. And it, it, you, I mean, you've got to save your starters. You've got to use your bullpen. And you cannot wait till the end of the year to start resting your starters. You've got to start earlier because Joe knows this team's built on starters. Every Cubs fan knows this team is built on their starting pitching. This was the elite starting rotation that Theo put together, notwithstanding their number five, Chatwood, to get them to October, through October, into November. And unless these guys stay reasonably fresh into the late innings of the season, we are not going to make it based on AR offensive output because most of the guys are slumping. We don't have enough guys on a hot streak. And number two, because the defense has got to make the good pitching great, including the bullpen. We've got to have our defense picking up the bullpen like the defense picked up Chatwood the other day, making diving grabs in the outfield and turning to where Javi had no business turning to. No, you're right about that. I just – how has the game – so if you're saying it's a lot of mental um, with a lot of pitchers in terms of how they're able to pitch, how is it that, you know, how has that mentality changed over the years that back in the day pitchers were able to pitch 250, 300 innings and still pitch in the playoffs and be perfectly fine, but yet today they can't do that? Because the hitting has improved. Okay, That's fair it. enough. The hitting has improved. You've seen the statistics. You've seen more guys hit the ball over the wall. The, the, the pitching – is, is the steroid era is over, the pitching's good again, but the hitting's also good. Players are able to work more, to be able to establish a strike zone mentally, to be able to focus in on the corners, be able to get contact, to stretch pitch counts, be able to stretch games into the, into, into extra innings and spread out how much. No, Nolan Ryan was not the rule. He was an aberration. He could throw 108-mile-an-hour fastball, according to the movie Fastball, which is great. You should watch it, by the way. 
and he he could go an entire career just reaching back and throwing it. He is not the rule. That guy was an exception. You cannot throw what upwards of 250 innings or something in, in, in a season. That's ridiculous. And people he, he he and then he went around and he he made a a, a whole a ro- rotation of pitchers and tried to stretch them into plus two, 200, uh, 220, 230 inning pitchers and half of them in him get getting Tommy John surgeries because Nolan Ryan can't coach players because they're all not Nolan Ryan. And we can't look at pitchers nowadays. Like we looked at pitchers in yesteryear because the batters and the hitters are better than they were before. That makes sense. I think that's, what's the hardest part about a pitching staff is just, you know, like you said, juggling the, the, um, the usage of them because you don't want to overwork the bullpen, but then you don't want to overwork the starting rotation. Um, and that's gotta be why a balance, I think, right? you got to find right, that balance. Right. There's got to be a balance. And that's why I think you may start to see a change towards a six man rotation, at least for certain stretches of a season, um, especially for contending teams as, you know, as the years go on. But again, you also there's still also an adjustment because if a if a pitcher is used to going out there and pitching every fifth day, and now all of a sudden he's pitching every sixth day, he's got to make that mental adjustment of getting that one extra day off. And you got to take into over account: the Do you want to take two or three starts from from uh, last year? You want to take two or three starts from Quintana? You want to take two or three starts from Hendricks and give it to Chatwood or or uh, or uh, Monty? I mean, do you, do you want to take the starts from your elite starters and give it to the, the, the stretch guys and the, the, the guys with the yips sometimes? I mean, I'm not sure if I'd make that leap. I'd, ra- I'd much rather see them piggyback these two as the number five and switch out Montgomery or, uh, or Chatwood based on who, uh, uh, who um, Joe Madden thought had a better opportunity to win that evening. Because you go to six, star- six, six starters and you take away a start from your elite starters – and you could be taking away a few wins going down the stretch, and I think that's just dangerous to mess with. I agree. It's a very, it could be a very dangerous thing, and I think that's why the Cubs are trying to get that depth in the starting rotation so that, you know, if you have to do something like that, you could say, well, you know, we take a start away from Lester or Hendricks, but we have just as much faith in Monty to put up a, a good start that's comparable to one of them, and he has so far. You know, again, if that saves – you know, some innings out of the out of the starting rotation, then, you know, again, it all depends on where you're at come August and September, too. You know, if it's like 2016 where you're, you know, blowing away the division, you have the luxury to do that, you know, knowing, hey, you know, the division's ours, we're going to win this by a landslide. You know, right now Milwaukee's hanging around. We don't know if they're going to have a second-half collapse again. Um, you know, I still feel, I've, I've heard a lot of talk on talk radio about it, I still feel that the Cubs are the best team in that division, and I still think they end up on top and ahead of the Brewers in the end, um, because I just think that the talent level of the Cubs will surpass the Brewers. Um, and again, because they have a lot of young pitching, I feel like there's going to be some slip-ups, and their bullpen has been used a lot, um, and I think their bullpen's going to catch up to them um, as the season goes on. Um so, and I think the Cubs will, you know, get ahead of them, like, because um, the talent's there. We know that they're the better team. Um, but we don't know how far they'll take that. You know, it could be come down to the wire. It could be, you know, you know, we run away with it in the second half of the season. We don't know. Um, 
I think the Brewers but, are dangerous. I think people underestimate the Brewers because now they have players like Lorenzo Cain on their team who have won a World Series and know what it takes to get there and can and can help bring around the younger guys on a team that don't understand the pressure and don't understand how to handle pressure. That was the big thing on the Cubs is you got Ross and you got Lester on the Cubs, which are two guys who understood how to handle that playoff pressure and that World Series pressure, and it really helped uh, take the edge off going into – the the playoffs the nlcs the world series that was key to the the clubhouse staying focused knowing that okay it's going to be okay we're not going to crumble under the pressure we just have to go out and perform i think the brewers have a little bit of that going and i'm kind of scared to see if i i don't doubt the cubs ability to take the uh take the division it's just how close are the brewers going to make it if we win 93 games and the brewers are sitting there at 91 games or 90 games uh, that's a little too close for comfort, especially if we're wanting to rest our starters down the stretch. It's not going to be good if we have to gas our, our pitching like we did last year just to make it back to the NLCS before we get swept again. I don't think it'd be a success. No, no, that's a good point. Like, I think the Brewers. I I think the Brewers are going to hang around. I'm not I'm not underestimate. You can't underestimate them. Um, I still think their pitching is what ultimately may do them in. Um, like I said, they've had really, really good starting pitching, as we saw in this past series. But, again, a lot of it's young. We saw what happened with the Mets starting pitching. They had really, really young starting pitching. And now a lot of their young, you know, now they can't find it. Um, and, again, you know, we talked about we, just with the Cubs with bullpen uses and stuff. And if you're a Brewers fan and you're watching that bullpen every day, you've got to be a little scared on some of those the usage of some of those guys. I mean, you know, Hayter throwing 39 innings already and you're only in, you know, early portions of June has got to be a little scary for a guy that's on pace to have, you know, 85, 90 innings out of the bullpen. Um, you know, and you, we know how fragile guys are with injuries and stuff like that too. And it's not just about how many innings you're throwing. It's also is can you sustain that level of success throughout the entire season? Um, you know, Chisek's got a 188 ERA, you know, that uh, uh, Jeffress has got an 054 ERA. Can you sustain that over the course of an entire season? You know, and, you know, having one or two bad games from a guy in your bullpen could, you know, swing the division one way or the other in the end. Um, and I think the general, that's, I think that's where the Cubs stand out because I feel that, you know, Milwaukee's, you know, not a 95, 96 win team. But I feel the Cubs are. So I feel if, if they get up into that 95, 96 or higher win range, um, that they'll be able to stay ahead of they'll, they'll stay ahead of Milwaukee because um, I don't think Milwaukee's going to get that high in, in terms of total wins on the season. Um, and that's why those head-to-head matchups are important. And you know we're eight and three against them so far this year. Um, you know. So we've done well against them, and that's why those games are important anytime you face them. Um, but we'll see how the season shakes out. It's, you know, it's a long season for a reason, but um, Milwaukee's not going anywhere, at least for now. Yeah, we'll see but, them again in two months, and by that point it might be they might have already collapsed pitching-wise, or it's going to be another nail-biter. We'll, we'll see at that point. It is the elite analyst, Mr. Ryan Tadich. Why don't you tell them where they can find you on Twitter? Um, at Ryan Tadich, uh, just search me on Twitter. You'll find T-A-D-Y-C-H. me there. T-A-D-Y-C-H. Correct. Yep. T-A-D-Y-C-H. Thanks so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.